Listen to Abe Thompson for an hour. I'd rather fuck a blood relative. Yo, 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 yo. How are we doing, guys? It's uh, Wednesday, which means it's time for the solo show. Of Aid Thompson and other disappointments. Uh, your twice weekly dose of politics, dystopia, stuff, and things. Uh, I'm your host, Aid Thompson, and uh, I am here, at least in spirit, after, uh, after another night of patchy sleep and uh, crying toddlerdom um just every like every two hours man still she's like two she's two years old i'm like fucking grow up ruby for fuck's sake i thought we got past this shit two years old and still waking up every couple of hours this shit's fucking bullshit <laughs> i talk about my kids by the way like i'm um like i'm a dissatisfied customer you know Taking them back to uh, to customer service or something. It's not doing. It's not doing what it's supposed to. I, I treat my I treat my two year old like um I don't know like you know when you know you know when you have one of your mates in your group who can't get past who they were when you and like your whole group were like seventeen. You know like that sort of arrested development kind of thing. Well, this is like that, but with toddlers. You know she had it. She had it too good when she was seven months old. You know, she had milk on tap, love, nurturing, attention. And now she can't move past it. Now she can't grow the fuck up. So, yeah, she's going to be about seven years old, waking up at two in the morning, crying for milk. Ridiculous. Anyway, so I'm here, you know, tired, delirious, um, which is bad for me. And my mental health. But honestly, it is good for you guys, dear listeners. Because everything seems, you know, when you're tired, everything seems sadder (laughs) and harder. (laughs) But it makes it sort of, you know, perversely good for doing this podcast. It's good for the content. Because this show, I don't know if it's your first time listening, or first time listening to a solo one. um, But this show is, you know, it's about this island of awfulness that we now inhabit, the formerly Great Britain, this post-Brexit plague island wasteland. <laughs> it's about that. And, th- and then we tried to find the funny in it. OK, so, so, you know, making me tired and then, you know, by proxy, sadder is probably a good thing for creativity and for the show. Um, in fact, you know, before we get started, um, that that kind of thing <laughs> reminds me of that episode of like uh, Larry Sanders. Do you guys remember that? Don't know if any of you ever watched that show. Like for, for younger listeners, Larry Sanders used to be this um, satirical fly on the wall kind of thing. Like it was a bit like The Office. But years before The Office, like everyone thinks The Office started that type of sitcom you know that model that fly on the wall kind of thing but this was years before that it was about um a late night host uh kind of figure like a sort of james corden jimmy fallon 
but maybe a bit more like Letterman, you know, back in those days. Um, and then the show was a sort of, you know, faux documentary sort of thing, but funny as fuck. It was like, you know, anyway, look, this, this feels like, you know, with my tiredness being good for the content, that sort of thing. This feels a bit like there was an episode where there was this writer who, you know, he would write jokes for the monologue, you know, at the beginning where, you know, Corden or Fallon come out and they, you know, they tell jokes for like seven minutes or, and they have a team of writers behind them that write those jokes. Anyway, on this episode of Larry Sanders, there's a writer, he writes jokes for the monologue, but then his ex-girlfriend makes up with him and then he's happy and he's upbeat and he's not angry at the world anymore. So then he doesn't have any hate inside him <laughs> to fuel the comedy and write any good jokes, right? So then I think if memory serves on that episode, I think then Larry incentivizes her to break up with him <laughs> and mess him around and fuck him over, <laughs> like just to make him miserable again, right? So that then he'll write some good jokes for Larry. And this is a bit like that, you know. I'm at my best with this show, I think, when I'm down and sullen and crestfallen, you know. <laughs> anyway, look, in that spirit, let's get into this. My fellow doomsters and gloomsters, my fellow binfluencers, let's, let's jump into this. So what's going on out there? today what's what's been in the news this morning today this afternoon whenever you're listening to this shamima begum is in the news i hope i'm saying that right Sh shamima right i think i'm pronounced Sh shamima maybe no it is it is shamima right god you can't say anything anymore can you lol <laughs> anyway look i'm just gonna call her shamima i hope that's right but listen guys if it's not Please do write down what I got wrong in this episode. You know, fact check me by all means, right, throughout the episode and pop each thing into an email, right, and make sure you jot down all of the inaccuracies and bits that, you know, upset you. And, and then what would be great is if you could send those into the mail and the express or someone, because I don't give a shit, but anything that gets me some press is a good thing. So, Shamima Begum is about to find out um, if she can return to the UK. And this is destined to get railroaded straight into the culture war, isn't it? It's got all the trimmings, it's got all of the boxes ticked for this to become the next culture war. Story. Like, forget your mortgage, forget your rent, forget your energy bills the soaring price of food and the total absence of fruit and veg in the supermarket. The impending epidemic of scurvy and rickets is going to flare up. Fuck all of that. Forget everything I just said. It's not about you guys, all right? Jesus, it's not about the troubles and the challenges that you're facing. This is bigger than you. This is about Britain. This is about... Shamima Begum. It's a story of British identity, of rightful punishment, of saying no to terror. Jesus Christ, people, it's about who we are. And who we are is an insular, 
easily distracted nation of self-flagellating culture war cretins. Forget the food rationing. Forget the shit in the rivers. <laughs> it's time for the latest distraction to gain traction. You see? Wordplay, guys. Tired me is just better at this shit. Like, anyway, we will, you know, we'll sit here happily as, as a nation. I'm not talking you and me. You know, obviously, you and I, we're better than this, right? But, but as a nation, we will happily sit here goggle-boxed at GMB for days listening to, you know, what, fucking Eamon or Carol Malone or Darren Grimes just belching about whether this bitch should be allowed back into the UK, right? Because of, you know, what, like, I don't know, what what it says about compassion or punishment or hate or patriotism. It'll be sliced and diced and served up again and again for days, all while your heating bill triples. Like, it's fucking nuts. This is no longer a serious country, is it? It's just 65 million moths fluttering around a flame while, while someone behind them gently sprays and engulfs them in a cloudy haze of bug killer. <laughs> that is what the UK is. It's like, but I, but I like the light bit, though. I like seeing the light bit, you know, fluttering and wheezing and struggling to exist. <laughs> this fucking nation of moths dumbly going towards the light, using their last few breaths of strength to obsess over a story that won't impact them in any way at all. It's insane. Like, I'd love to pull like some of these people apart who, who, who do obsess over this. Like, hey, yeah, you know, you know the river that you used to swim in when you were a teenager? Do you remember that? You, you know that has human feces in it now. Like, that is a real thing that is going to touch you and your family. You can't go swimming in that river. They're like, yeah, whatever, you know, what, whatever. Clean rivers are so woke. <laughs> oh, let's go swimming in the river like it's a fucking Enid Blythe. You're so woke, like, you know. But that's a real thing that could touch you and your family and people are like, yeah, rather talk about this thing that's on GMB all morning or that's that GB News are covering, you know. Pull somebody else aside, you know, like, um. Hey, you know, if your dad gets cancer, he'll probably die waiting for the diagnosis. Yeah, yeah, but but hey, but, but but what about what what about the statue? Like, so, somebody should protect the statues, eh? You know, I've said it before. I'll say it again. Half this country cared more about the welfare of a slave owner's statue at the bottom of a dock than a dead tot on a beach. And, and we're supposed to understand these people. <laughs> Fuck out of it. But Aid, Aid, it's, Im it's important that we forgive. Like, I love that attitude when people say that shit. It's important that we understand. We've got to understand these people, Aid. It's important that we forgive. I saw a great tweet, right, in... um in response to that sort of mentality. Uh, but I think it was it was actually about, in that context, it was about the January the 6th riots over in, uh, in the US. Um, and this woman was like, 
some like someone had said on a tweet like but we have to forgive and you know try to bring people together we've got to heal the country and then this other woman like replied back she was like why do i have to forgive people who aren't sorry you know and i think that just sums it up perfectly it's like you've got these dixieland cross waving fucking lunatics storming the capital over there you know in that scenario clearly not sorry all up on Fox News and fucking talk TV or whatever. You know, talking about Democrats and libtards and all that stuff. And you're supposed to forgive. <laughs> Are you sorry? No. No, I'm not. I'm not even close to sorry. Go to hell. Okay, I, I forgive you. Great. I mean, being the bigger person only gets you so far. But it's funny, man. Like, you know how, like, sometimes people will try and make you feel bad, right? If you sit on the left center left or far left or whatever sometimes people will try to make you feel bad for um for scoffing at voters you know scoffing at brexiteers looking down on working class tories for example calling people stupid right <laughs> like Sometimes people will make you feel bad. They'll say shit like, yeah, oh, you metropolitan, latte-drinking, guardian-reading pricks. Looking down on every... Look at you! like. And, you know, I suppose this is the point I'm supposed to say. No, 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 no. Look, I'm not... Honestly, guys, I'm not looking down on it. But no, I am. I am. <laughs> Honestly, I am. Because millions of people in this country are fucking stupid. Just impressionable, impulsive, tribalistic, just so cognitively challenged. Like there are brain synapses missing. <laughs> not, not just not firing anymore or, or anything, just parts of the brain that gave up from non-use. Just fell away like supports on an old bridge you know just gone and then people are like don't 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 call us stupid you know <laughs> i don't know like they'll they'll sit there glued to gmb frothing about shamima after their electricity's been cut off like that is a perfect example right there you couldn't ask for a better example than somebody glued to the television and on the TV, they're doing a thing about Shamima Begum and why you should be angry about it. And this person's electricity will be cut off. <laughs> there's, there's nothing on the screen. It's a blank TV. There's no power. It hasn't been on for a fucking hour since their shit government power shortage. <laughs> or, or their EDF account went into the red and they, they shut it down. Hasn't been on for an hour, but it's just taking that long for the information to go in. <laughs> And generate a response in that noggin. Until finally, you know, 50 minutes later, it's like, fucking Shamima. Shamima made her choice and it, it was ISIS. <laughs> and you're like, Gran, Gran, the TV's off. Who, who, who are you even talking to? And there's, you know, silence for another 50 minutes. <laughs> finally, like the response is generated in her head. Again, the, the, the TV's off. Well, turn, turn the telly box back on, you know, finally. Anyway, look. Stupidity and, you know, me looking at people with utter contempt aside, Shamima Begum is about to learn her fate. 
And the fucking media are going to draw this line in the sand again. Like they have throughout this case. And every other, you know, vaguely immigration connected thing. And you're either going to end up, you know, you will be a Remainer, Metropolitan, Libtard Elite, Snowflake, or, you know, or, you know, you'll be a Brexiter, Patriot, Jab Skeptic, Mask Mocker who wants to keep her out. Or, you know, you might, you know, if you're of that ilk, you might allow her in. You might bring her in just to have her tarred and feathered and paraded through the streets of London, up the Mall, up the Tower Gateway, into the Tower, and thrown at the mercy of King Clarkson. <laughs> those, those are your choices. Remainer or Brexiter? Patriot or Britain hater? You know, there's no in-between. And I know some of you, you know, listening to this, you might be like, wait, hang on, Aid. You know, you're always on about how stupid everyone is. Like, how, how you know, black and white. Thing. But why, why can't I be, you know, slightly more nuanced? Why can't I be a centre-right conservative who's socially liberal, but tough on crime, you know? And I can see that this case, this specific one, requires some compassion, but also a little bit of pragmatism. Why can't I be? No, you are either in or out, black or white. The newspapers have already decided. Like, haven't, haven't you heard? Nuances on furlough. And so this will become this week's culture war distraction story. You know, like, well, what was it last time? Last week, or maybe it was the week before, uh, whether God was gender neutral. Do you remember that? And then um, last last week or maybe earlier, I can't remember. Like it all blurs into one, doesn't it? Like Lee Anderson wanted the death penalty back. <laughs> and then yesterday, Lee Anderson again. Saying uh, refugee charities are just as bad as people smugglers. That was his fucking his guy's got hits, hasn't he? Just left, right and centre smashing out hits right now. I mean, that is basically Lee Anderson's job. You, you thought it was deputy chair of the Conservative Party. It's not. His, his job is to say stupid shit that riles up the express and, you know, gets your uncle and grandma to rub one out over the 1950s. That is his job. That's why he's got that job. Why he's now on broadcast rounds. Just say something stupidly. Get, get people wound up. Distract. Get them to look over there. Not over, you know, that's, that's his vibe. And so Shamima, her verdict, her citizenship is going to be the next reason for you to not look at your EDF bill. Like, that is what this is, isn't it? Like, boil it down. That is what all of these stories always are. Every time you're about to open that letter, you're about to see the reality of shit government. You're about to be actually touched by it. And just as you open the letter, just as you scan down and you're about to look at the account balance, boom, straight through the front door comes Suella Braverman in a Union Jack suit, jacking off Churchill, singing Rule Fucking Britannia. So this is this week's that, if you like. Very much a case of don't worry about impending homelessness. Forget about your boss pressuring you to come back to the office and, you know, spend hundreds of pounds on train fare. 
in a cost of living crisis, completely unnecessarily, for no benefit to productivity whatsoever. Leave all of that at the front door. Forget, forget about all of that. It is the Shamima show. And look, I don't want to, you know, dismiss or uh, trivialize the actual story behind Shamima Begum. Okay, because there are nuances to it. There are things that we should be discussing and considering and indeed have been discussed and considered. Like, I'm not saying I'm not saying blast this bitch into the sun because my bills are going up and we should all talk about my personal finances because that's more important, blah, blah, blah. You know, I'm I'm loosely aware of of what happened to her. I just object to these stories being, you know, to to them ballooning and becoming this culture war distraction when there are actually real things that are going to ruin lives in about two months, you know? But let's talk about what happened to her. Let's let's focus on this for a second. She was radicalised and manipulated online, I think. Cheers, by the way. And her, her lawyers argued that she was likely the victim of child sex trafficking. You know, like the, the people behind it that reached out to her, that started talking to her, like oh, the people behind it reaching out to kids on the Internet, you know, telling them that they look beautiful or, you know, they could have this beautiful life or that amazing modelling career, like, you know, just come and meet us at Terminal 3. Run away with us. Just jump on the five o'clock train. Don't don't tell your dad. Don't tell your dad. Your dad doesn't get you. Your dad doesn't understand you. I, I understand you. It'll, it'll be fine. You know, like, it's that kind of vibe. And we're all familiar with that kind of story. And that is kind of what happened here, right? Or certainly that is the case that was put forward by her lawyers. You know, grooming, manipulation, psychological, you know, gaslighty stuff. And anyway, then conversely, the Home Office. Uh, so currently, Suella Braverman, but previously, Pretty Patel, our beloved Home Secretaries, who are responsible for keeping British citizens and asylum seekers safe, by the way. <laughs> that is their actual job. Keep British citizens and asylum seekers safe. But both of them, Braverman and Patel, took a break from, you know, trying to ship desperate people off to Rwanda and harpooning dinghies <laughs> to make the following case. Um, which I suppose, you know, in terms of immigration and asylum seekers and keeping people safe, you know, maybe them taking a break from the Rwanda and the dinghy situation, maybe that was a, a small uptick. Maybe that was a, <laughs> a plus to this story. A little bit of light relief in a sad story. But they put that empathetic duty of care on hold <laughs> to argue that this was their case, right? Because... Begum might have been radicalized online and trafficked to Syria, that she could remain a threat to national security because, 
get this, because she might have been desensitized from exposure to extreme violence, right? Now, let me just replay that to you for a second. They are saying, I don't care if you were radicalized, if you were manipulated, if you were lied to, trafficked to a war zone, because when you were there, you might have seen some things that might make you now less scared of violence. That is what they're saying. Sorry you got trafficked, but you might have caught contagious violence. It might be in your feeble little child brain, your childlike brain that was so childy and fragile, it was susceptible to being desensitized and made more violent, but also simultaneously so adult that you should be treated like one and banished forever, right? Like, it's just laughably paradoxical. You are a child when it suits, and yet simultaneously an adult that we can punish. It's like, you know, sorry you got kidnapped, but no, sorry, we can't save you because the kidnapper let you watch Predator. Like, are you on high fucking medication or some shit? It's like saying, look, make yourself comfortable, Elizabeth Fritzel. <laughs> like, we'd love to let you out. We would, honestly. But the violence and awfulness that you were exposed to down there, the abuse and the damp, Elizabeth. Jesus, Mary and Joseph, the damp. I mean, you know, look, Shamima was around violence for a bit and the bitch might have become infected with it you you were around damp what if that's contagious yeah you know what if we what if <laughs> what if we save you and let you out and you breathe damp on everyone elizabeth i mean i'm sure you can understand our reservations here just, just back up just back no i know just back 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 into the cage thank you like i'm sorry lizzie <laughs> I'm so we would love to help, but you've been so desensitized to damp that there's no telling what damage you could do out in the real world. My hands are tied. I'm sorry. The abused abuse. We just we cannot risk it. So, yeah, that was a great job. Great job. Home office as ever. And the thing, the thing with this story that gets me right And I'm sure this parallel has been drawn before because it seems so fucking obvious to me, but I haven't seen it anywhere personally. Um, I think of the contrast between this approached, manipulated 15-year-old girl and then, you know, the kids that Epstein and Maxwell approached and manipulated, those 15-year-old girls, and the fucking contrast between them like with the with the Epstein kids, it is almost without question that they were trafficked, they were abused, they were victims and survivors, right? But Shamima Begum, on the other hand, you know, it's just they're like light years apart in terms of perception and what happened to them. And yet there's so much overlap. It seems so difficult for so many people to see the similar, you know, like, yes, a lot of us think that we and I say we as in the British state 
have a responsibility here. Yes, there's a bunch of us who look at this pragmatically. Like, yeah, there should be a punishment. But no, she shouldn't necessarily have, you know, all of her freedom taken away. And, you know, I think she probably, if she came back, she should be watched or observed just in case she's a sort of, you know, stealth operator trying to get back here and blow up a cinema. You know, I, I get that. But she is still a Brit. You know, this whole idea of cancelling someone's citizenship and leaving them marooned just seems like, to me, just seems, well, you know, suitably uh, dystopian, I guess. You know, per perfectly dystopian for the topics that we cover on this show. But still, like, it's so it's so jarring to me how this huge chunk of Britain refused to accept the grooming and manipulate element to this, you know? Like a big, brash, shouty chunk of Britain are like, no, no, she was 15, she was old enough to know what she was doing. Like a concerningly big chunk of the UK are happy to overlook the Nazi layer to it all, you know? <laughs> like... The instant messaging 14 and 15 year old schoolgirls and convincing them to run away and get married to men in their mid 20s. Like, you know, no, I uh, don't care. Don't care. Yeah, they knew what they were doing. You know, they can overlook the pedo variables to this. Like, so it's like they're secondary drivers, they're secondary factors to all of this, seemingly. Like, anything is dismissible if it means that this guy gets to wave his flag for a bit, you know? <laughs> like, nationalism is a hell of a drug, I think, is probably the best way of saying it. You get to feel... You get to feel high and mighty. You get to feel part of something. Yeah, Britain! I love Britain, it's my country! Yeah, check out my tattoos and my flat cap! And you get to feel part of something... And, you know, flags and the royals and bang on about the war and, and the high must just be so fucking good. You know, like, forget your your meow meow and your your MDMA and your messy nights on ketamine hanging out in Camden. Like, those highs don't even touch the sides of nationalism because nationalism is seemingly so good that you would pick that over protecting kids who got trafficked into war zones and turned into child brides. Like, that is a powerful fucking drug. How wild is that? It's like it's... It's not exactly the same, but it's not that far off from those horror stories that you hear about or you've read about, about, you know, like, crack addict mothers who, like, love the pipe so much that they rent out their daughters to pay for the next hit. Like, crack is that good. You love the crack more than you love your own child's safety, right? And nationalism is not that, but it's kind of in the neighbourhood, you know? A 15-year-old gets groomed and trafficked over borders and married off to a guy in his mid-20s 
it's like, do, do you care about child safety or, or, you know, or do you want to wank into that flag and, and bang on about Blighty instead? No, oh, I'll, I'll take the flag wank. <laughs> like, all right, fine. Here you go. You know, and there's, and there's a queue of like angry white guys going right, right back around the corner. Angry white dudes with flat caps and tattoos and football shirts and pints of lager. And, you know, every time I'm exhaustedly asking them, you know, handing them the flag one after the other. Child safety or the flag wank? Oh, I love the flag. It's a flag again. OK, here we go. Like, <laughs> and they wander off. Like, for real. Like, I know it's it's an uncomfortable question. Race hates Britain. Right. But how much would you pay? to be able to wave that flag what how much would you pay to get that nationalist high five pounds you know 50 quid where's the where's the price for it like to be able to wave that flag like because a lot of you talk the talk a lot of you you know are, are plastic patriots five pound 50 pound great but would you would you look the other way while a 15 year old schoolgirl is groomed and trafficked and married off as a child bride would you do that so you get to feel britishy for seven minutes on twitter yes you would or no no you would oh, oh well then i think we've exposed the the superficiality of your supposed patriotism haven't we dave because if you really loved blighty <laughs> you'd make that trade you don't love britain Unless you'd wave her off back to her abusers. Like, it's so fucked. It's like, you know, patriotism for paedophiles or something. Like it's nationalism for nonsburgers. It's what, it's what it is. But that is kind of the deal when you break it down. When you hear people saying shit like, no, this, this isn't about race, you know? It's about protecting our kids. Well, okay, let's play with that idea. Shall we? Well, what do you mean? Well, would you agree that Muslim extremists, or indeed any extremists, approaching British kids, lying to them, turning them into child brides, nonsing them, would you agree that that is something we should be trying to avoid? Well, yes. Yeah, obviously. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm dead against Muslim paedophiles trying to fuck British kids. Right. OK, so. How do you feel about Shamima Begum? Burn her! Send her back to her abusers! Wow, well, well, okay. Well, um, you know, look, I'm... Listen, I'm not calling you stupid. I'm not. You know, we, we, we've covered this already. I'm not calling you stupid. But do you not understand the synergies there? No. No, I do not. It is beyond me. Like, it's just... I don't know, like for, for all the race hate riots that took place on the outskirts of Liverpool this week, you know, how like when they went up to the, it's not picket lines, but it's when they go up and they do vox pops with people and they say shit like, no, look, all, all this is really about is uh, is protecting our kids from these refugee predators. You know, like when they say stuff like that, they come out with these horror stories like two, two of them groped that guy's daughter last week it's not about race it's about child safety it's about protecting our kids like through all of that like i can almost guarantee it's the same guys there who have the flags on their twitter who would then totally overlook 
the child trafficking pedo element, like here, they would they would gift wrap with a bow and courier Shamima Begum back to her groomers. It's so weird. This is about child safety. Okay, well, how about this child? Tra- no, not her. Like, what's what's the obvious discernible difference between? This lady and that one over there. Well, I, never, never mind. I don't want to talk about it. Like, and look, I'm not trying to sound callous. You know, like if somebody's daughter or wife did get groped or worse by an asylum seeker, obviously that is not great. In fact, you know, more than that, obviously that is bad. In fact, obviously that is a crime. But here's the thing. You should be able to report a crime to the police, right? The institution that you should be rioting outside is the fucking police force. If they haven't investigated or prosecuted. Like, why does everything have to boil down to being this burst fire hydrant of stupid, you know? Like, like is it too much to ask of the same British people that, you know, like on the on the morning breakfast rounds when they get ministers on and they always dismiss questions or concerns. They always say stuff like, I, I think the British people are smart enough to, you know, when they do that or they say, oh, I, I have confidence that the British people are clever enough to make the right decision, like that thing. Right. When they do that thing in interviews, right, is it too much to ask that those same clever, smart, and 100% mythical Britons (laughs) might be able to see that groping a woman in the street, that is a crime, and child trafficking is a crime. You know, like, this guy should be in a cell if if he groped your daughter. And Begum should be allowed back in and recognized as a victim of child trafficking. No? These two things can coexist without it burning a hole in the space-time continuum. It is possible for you to report a crime to Liverpool police about some sort of unwanted advance and have the perpetrators caught and questioned. And it is possible to see Shamima Begum in the same context that you viewed, you know, Becky Stammers when she was 15. Do you remember that story? That's another interesting one to contextualise this one with. This was a 15-year-old schoolgirl, right? This is about four or five years ago now, I think. And she ran away with her 30-year-old teacher. And she was groomed and persuaded to run away. I think they went to France. And that was basically the same thing. I mean... I know he wasn't like some sort of murderous ISIS beetle or, you know, whatever... But it, it's still, it's grooming. It's persuading her to leave all of her nearest and dearest and run away across international borders. And like, But did anyone tell her that she knew what she was doing, you know? No, nobody said that. There was just a big fuck off manhunt to rescue her, to save this innocent child. And now what's going to, she'll probably end up with a fucking book deal. Guys, this has been fun. Um, slightly shorter episode today but i wanted to get a lot out in a short space of time so i hope that's okay um i'm gonna be back on friday night i've got a very special guest on the show her name is marina perkis 
Uh, she came on in the second batch of podcasts uh, that I did, and we talked shit about politics, Tories, uh, modern media, and, and so on. This Friday, I'm not sure what we're going to be talk talking about yet, but um, I have no doubt that it's going to be an interesting hour uh, spent in her company. Um, you might have seen her on Jeremy Vine. You've probably seen her on Good Morning Britain. Um, she's becoming a bit of a big name. In fact, she was trending the other day because she went mano a mano. She went one for one, one to one uh, with a former member of European Parliament. And they were talking about Brexit and Marina was saying how it, you know how uh, frustrating it is to always hear these same lines wheeled out by brexiters um she's also she's my favorite person of this week purely on the basis that she clapped back to iron mike graham if you don't know who he is lucky you uh he's a talk tv guy he was the guy that went viral last year for suggesting that you could grow concrete he brought this guy i think it was a just stop oil protester or something like that, onto his show. And, it, you know, the intention was clear. He wanted to bring this kid on the show and he wanted to ask him, uh, how can you be like a, an environmentalist and also be, I think he's a lumberjack, this kid, or some sort of carpenter or something. Basically, it was to do with, you know, chopping down wood. And so <clears throat> Mike Graham's approached this to make this kid look stupid, to trivialise the cause and, you know, make him feel a bit silly and... Uh, and pander to the express readers. His idea was to get this kid on and then ask him, how can you be an environmentalist if you use up trees? That was the logic. And this kid was like, well, because you can always grow more trees, but you can't just, you know, grow more concrete. And then, so Mike Graham's like, uh, yes, you can. <laughs> and the kid's just like staring at the camera like, uh... I don't know where to go with that because you can't. This is really silly. So anyway, Mike Graham posts this thing and he's basically mocking Marina, saying, you know, Marina is married to a footballer. So basically, what the fuck does she know? And then conversely, you've got this member of European Parliament who knows stuff about Brexit and blah, blah, blah. Like he's, he's ridiculing Marina for not knowing anything. Anyway, then Marina claps back and says, yeah, this footballer's wife... Uh, currently has a podcast, a political podcast that is way, way ahead of yours in the podcast charts. Um, must be really annoying. And especially, oh, this is my favorite bit. She's like, this isn't even my full time gig, <laughs> which is his. Obviously, it's his full time fucking job. He's a Fleet Street like old boy. He's been doing this for fucking years. And then in comes this quote unquote footballer's wife who wipes the floor with this XMEP. And Mike Graham has the temerity to step forward and go like, oh, what the fuck do you know? Anyway, Marina's like, yeah, must be must be really annoyed for you. I'm sure I'm not doing the tweet and the clap back justice. Go and seek it out. It was really funny. Um, I laughed my ass off. So anyway, look, she's going to be on on Friday night. So look out for that. I'll release it at half past seven uh, when I would normally do like a live guested thing. But unfortunately, I don't think she or I are free this Friday at half seven. So we can't do it live, but I will put it out at the same time as though I would. That's it from me, guys. Big shout out to the Patreons. Thank you for uh, continuing to support the show. I'll be back, as I say, Friday night. Until next time, keep yourselves safe. I'm outie.